All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I am live from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as we're speaking right now. I've brought in Dylan, as always. Alan's back, and we've brought in a guest onto the podcast to help preview our upcoming match against Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah, we do have to talk about that El Paso match, which probably wasn't the greatest match uh, for most fans uh, of Orange County. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. One, two, Godoy. He's found a great ball into Voltsin. Plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas into Voltsin. Now Segbris sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and parrying aside. Well taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal, and it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange county soccer club uh, joining me as he does every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are things going out there in Cali today? Uh, they're warm again, so they're pretty gross. But, uh, you know, life goes on, I guess. It's probably better than whatever you're feeling in North Carolina. South Carolina. But but very whatever, close. Honestly. Very close. <laughs> it's the East Coast, which could barely, like, honestly, it could not exist for all I care. Well, just to let you know, I mean, you, you said it's, you know, warm or hot or whatever. It, it was in the high 40s and rainy and windy all day today. Uh, you know, we're not used to it in Southern California, but sideways wind with really cold weather, not the greatest mix. Luckily, only one day of it, it seems like what we're having here. But uh, glad to hear you guys are having some great weather out there in Cali. Another Cali person is on with us. Uh, we've got uh, Alan one of our, our members from Orange Black Soccer Cast. Alan, welcome back. Thank you so much. Just uh, got back from our local MPSL game, so I flew in and hopped on. And we appreciate that dedication to the podcast and to our, our site there, Alan, watching a local San Diego team and then coming on to talk uh, Orange County soccer with us. Uh, last but not least, before we get into the thick of things, we have a guest on with us. Uh, we have a match coming up this weekend against Colorado Springs, and we decided to reach out and bring on Mark Turner. He's from Last Word on Soccer, the Colorado Springs uh, section of that site and podcast. Uh, he was also the founder of the Back Chat Pod. Uh, Mark, welcome to the Orange Black Soccer Cast. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So we found out what the weather's like here in Myrtle Beach in Southern California. How's the weather going for you guys out there in Colorado? The weather is gorgeous. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we have a saying here in Colorado, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I was driving up to go snowboarding with my son this past weekend. And in the space of a two-hour drive, we went from thick, thick fog to rain to snow to sun by the time we arrived at the resort. That was just in the space of two hours. So... That's Colorado for you. It's beautiful right now. Well, that's that's amazing to hear. I think in California, we're sort of spoiled because we're typically just the same type of weather most of the time. Uh, maybe some rain here and there, especially this past winter, a bunch of rain. But, you know, typically 70 degrees, sunny, great weather in California. But I, I, I'm here in, in South Carolina and experiencing some of the weather changes. It's it's definitely an interesting thing to it's called seasons, my friend. It's called seasons. <laughs> we're not used to those. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to first talk uh, or look back on our uh, Orange County's match against El Paso Locomotive FC to figure out what happened in that match, maybe what went wrong, what went right for Orange County. Uh, then we're going to look uh, ahead to the upcoming match this weekend as Colorado Springs 
heads down to Southern California to take on Orange County Soccer Club, a, a team that's still looking and hoping for their first victory and first three points of the season. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into the thick of things and, and let's get into the El Paso match. Uh, I've been on vacation. I got to watch bits and pieces as I was traveling from Southern California out here to Myrtle Beach. Uh, again, watch some of it a little bit here and there as I've been in and out of hotel rooms. Uh, so I'm going to default to Dylan and Alan mostly on this match because they've uh, been able to sort of pay more attention. And then to Mark, of course, if you have anything you want to share uh, from an outsider's view or from what you've seen from these two teams so far this season. So Dylan, I'm going to get to you first. Uh, just give me your brief thoughts on on the match against El Paso. Uh, you know, just quick overview and then we'll get dig a little deeper. Um, well, if you haven't watched it already, don't bother. Um, <laughs> it was really embarrassing, I think is the best adjective to use for it um people looked lost and um mclean is a really good goalkeeper and i guess that's as brief as you can make that about that game <laughs> without getting into too uh too much anger there it sounds like before i just like lose my mind and we go on like a 40 minute tangent before we get this podcast basically started <laughs> yeah uh, let me get to you, Alan. Uh, what is your brief thoughts on that match? Do you agree with Dylan or do you have a different view from what you saw? Yeah, Dylan and I were actually texting back and forth during the game and words like rough and what are we doing? And uh, I mean, set pieces, defense looked a lot better, I guess, if we're going to like say, and McLean was really good. But I would make an argument that this game against El Paso was worse than the game against Tulsa. That probably sets a scene for what we're going to be talking about here. I, I don't know, Mark, if you have anything to share, did you get a chance to view anything of this match, even if it was just maybe the highlights or some, some key pieces? Uh, do you have any thoughts on what you saw from this match? You know, I don't, I was looking at the statistics, you know, trying to get a sense of the, the shape of the game um, just simply on, on the screen as it were. Uh, and it looked like a relatively evenly matched game or maybe another way to put that, would you say it didn't look like a particularly interesting game? Um, you guys have been very generous this year because uh, that was Locomotive's first points of the season. And you guys obviously gifted them that as well as, I believe, giving Tulsa as well their first points of the season. And of course, now they're on a hot streak. So I'm hoping you're going to be similarly generous when you play the switchbacks this weekend. <laughs> we, I guess we could take that for now as... I guess a positive, even though it's probably for us. Uh, hopefully, we do change it against Colorado Springs, which we'll we'll talk about here shortly. But um, I mean, is there anything that sticks out to you? Other, I mean, I, I guess to you talk about the stats. Is, are there any stats that stick out to you on what we saw there, or does it look like it was a pretty even match, like you said? Again, not having had the opportunity to actually eyeball the game, I feel I feel kind of out left field here, and I feel maybe I should deflect back to your colleagues but um but again the stats seem pretty flat it didn't look like a particularly inspiring game either way uh shots on goal look relatively low uh per what we've seen in the usl so far this season i don't know i mean does that seem like a fair appraisal gents that seems like a really accurate appraisal <laughs> basically an insanely boring game um which was only broken up by two goals uh which was not Obviously, not in our favor and uh, not to my liking. Well, well let's get into it because, I did, again, I did watch some of this match and I got to watch some of the highlights. So uh, the first half was pretty, I guess, back and forth, not too much going on. Uh, it looked maybe like El Paso had a little bit more control there in that first half. Uh, some of that could have to do with, uh, again, another, you know, squad, starting squad. We, we, we still haven't found that consistent starting 11 or at least starting nine with a few changes here and there. It seems like every week so far this season, coach Braden Cloutier has had to change things up, switch things around. Aaron Cervantes coming off of, you know, his first career start save of the week uh, gets benched for the new goalkeeper, which, uh, you know, makes sense when you have someone that has MLS experience, you know, coming in there, uh, you know, and what, DJ Darwin Jones hitting the post again, which I guess he seems to do every single match. Uh, Alan, uh, what did you think on that first half? Is there what what happened there, and why was Orange County struggling to take control of the match early on? I'm um, looking back through my notes. I think I wrote maybe two good plays by Orange County. One was that shot off the post. Uh, El Paso getting five corner kicks in the first 16 
And there was like four uh, of them, like back to back to back to back or something. Yeah, like that right there. Yeah. yeah, it was like ninth minute, tenth minute, eleven minute, sixteenth minute. Um, like I literally wrote great tackle because it was like the only positive thing <laughs> outside of you know McLean basically keeping him in the game. There's a couple times where if McLean doesn't come up big on some you know one on ones, some great balls through from El Paso, it's you know it's two nil before we hit halftime. Um, I just felt yeah, Dylan nailed it. They just looked lost. There was no like. Anytime forward momentum was going, it just kind of died. And the only team, only time that it was, we had any type of offensive push was on a missed clearance. And that's where it led to the post being hit by Darwin Jones, which, I mean, can we get like a half a goal on that? Maybe we can add them up as the season goes. I, I think, you know, if I, there's no all-star or anything like that for, for USL, but if there was, I think like a crossbar or a goalpost challenge, uh, Darwin Jones would probably be the the favorite to win that challenge, at least what we've seen so far this season. Wasn't that on Twitter today? The the crossbar challenge, you get a twenty dollar Adidas card. Yeah, uh, the Michael Seaton was on yeah. there challenging. Was it Contour Wasu Ansu? I think is who he was challenging. Which yeah. whoa, go back for that one, Ray. Hold on. Wait, what was it? Am I wrong? No, let's try that name again. Owasu Ansu Contour. What am I saying it's wrong? An, it's, it's an O. Huh? First letter of his name is an O. It's a what? The first letter of his name is an O. That's what I said. Never mind. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <sighs> Dissension in the racks. Gents, gents, come on now. Just because you've had a couple of defeats. Dylan, Dylan likes to give me a hard time every time I mess up on some kind I'm of... I'm not the only one that likes to give you a hard time, yes, man. I, it's know, everyone. I know, I know. I know. Uh, don't, don't worry, when we get talking about the switchbacks, uh, <laughs> I can butcher a few names as well and readdress the balance. Hey, if you guys are into crossbar challenges, you really should check out YouTube. Um, they do crossbar challenges frequently with the Premier League teams and the Championship teams back in England. And uh, it's very amusing watching some of these young pros who you know portray themselves as kind of being studs trying to hit a crossbar from about 40 yards out and getting nowhere near it. Quite funny. Definitely. And by the way, Andy, it's been nice uh, having you listen to us for the shortest amount of time on your podcast ever. Uh, Mark, it's that's an inside joke. We have a listener that just doesn't like talking about Premier League English soccer or whatever. So uh, we just sort Whoops. of joke that on there. So if you're still listening, Andy, thank you for, for hanging with us. Dylan, let me uh, get to you really quick. Uh, is it time to start worrying about the chemistry on this team and, and sort of we're seeing different lineups each and every week and it doesn't seem like these players are on this on, on the same page, not even close. Is that, a, is it time to start being worried about that? Um, I don't think that the chemistry is an issue. I mean, we brought back a record number of players. I think it was something like 14 guys placed for us last year that got contracts this year or, or had in the case of Christian Duke had a multi-year contract already. Um, there's for some reason, a separation in between what Cloutier wants and what Chaplow is saying on the sidelines and what is happening on the, on the pitch because they seem completely lost the second there's anything happening. Um, I mean, the start of that game was abysmal. It was almost another own goal from the back pass. Um, thankfully, McLean got to it and, and got it out and then we had all of those corners i mean the first 15 minutes i was waiting for the goal to happen and i think what we've seen so far is basically the second the going gets rough there's no leadership anymore in the in the center of the pitch and that's no disrespect to liam trotter but he's not aiden quinn and he's not christian duke um or thomas Hennevoldson. yeah he doesn't know these players as well and in the in the sense of thomas Anavoldson, he isn't there to verbally berate them. I get the sense that he's a lot more of a, a quiet leader. So without that, it's really confusing, and they just seem lost. And um, yeah, with it being a month in, we haven't had the same back four start a match. And we've had three goalkeepers in four matches <laughs> as well. So if we, to be fair. It's, it's weird. Yeah, it's one of those tough things when, you know, when a lot of these key players are players that either got signed late in the offseason or after the season got started. Uh, some of the players came in, you know, got announced two weeks and they hadn't even arrived yet after the two weeks. So it's hard when you have these all these new faces. I get it, Dylan. You say we have a lot of returning players. But when you look at each of the starting lineups so far in the season, 
uh, it, it's been a mix of old and new. And it just, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I, I'm not seeing this, this cohesiveness that you would hope to see out of a team that's, that's challenging or supposed to challenge for uh, the, the, the title. Um, Alan, uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I'm flipping back through my notes, and I think the backline. I mean, the backline issues were what was caught, what was earlier, but the offense was still pretty good. And I mean, it's not like there's been a huge turnover in lineups in the midfield that you would expect to cause those issues. I mean, the rough next Orange County game. You know, you're basically swapping out Liam Trotter for Aiden Quinn, and you got pretty much the first, you know, the top same top six players. So. I'm not. I'm confused to why there's so much like lack of any type of offensive cohesion. Like the defense seems to be like all right now, kind of. <laughs> but I, th- I mean, I think McLean filled in some of those holes. Otherwise, we'd still be talking about some defensive issues. But oh, okay. it's con- it's confusing why there's it seems to be so lost going forward. There's it's just like they're they have forgotten how to play soccer. Yeah, that game would have been easily 5-6-0 if McLean hadn't made multiple one-on-one saves or directed some weird ball off off the frame. It was so, so weird. Um, but you can tell the difference that a really quality goalkeeper makes as well and a confident one as well. And so the first goal Orange County gave up there early on in the second half, uh, you can't really fault McLean. He made a pretty good save. Um, a save that you wouldn't expect really many keepers to be able to control. Uh, all, the best he could do was parry it off to the side. Unfortunately, his defense let him down because there was a El Paso player. I forget who it was just all alone on the left side of the, uh, of the pitch. And it's in partida. There you go. I mean, so it, it's, it's hard uh, to blame him at least for that first goal. Uh, and Really, I, I I get what you're saying, Alan, but the defense sort of let the team down again. And it seems to be that's the, the big issue is the defense is struggling and we just have zero offense at this point. Uh, you know, so it, it's not a winning combination when you don't have a good defense or a good offense, regardless of how great your goalie potentially is. Um, I, I, I don't know your thoughts on that analysis, Mark, you know. Uh, can a team win with a struggling defense and an offense that is struggling to put goals in the net? Honestly, that that would be the thing that concerned me most about what you guys are describing as a defense. You know, with switchbacks had a very strong inaugural year, 2015, back that up in 2016. And even though we came out hot in 2015 with a lot of goals, the USL was a lot weaker at that point in time. And really the team was founded on being blue collar and very defensive. They dug in deep and um, would attack teams on the counter. And we saw more of that in the in the following year as well. 2017, our coaching team tried to get a little spicy with things and started casting their coaching net further afield, bringing in a couple of uh, actually international players. Um, and the, the fans got very excited because it looked like we were really taking the team to the next level, right? We were, we were going to have that blue-collar mentality, but with that edge of flair now, with that uh, little... Bavavoon, that's something extra. But in fact, it really messed with the team chemistry. 2017 was a was a dumpster fire um, colliding with a train wreck. It was um, it was all kinds of ugly, and the ripple effect from that carried into 2018. And the team has really struggled to kind of find its feet and reestablish its identity, which it has begun to do this year. But in 2018, as they were trying to right the ship, what they essentially did is went back to focusing on being defensive first, on establishing a strong foundation at the back. Because your defense is the easiest part of the team to address because it's the least fluid. You know, you have that unit back there. You have five guys that essentially, in some cases, four guys that should be able to work in a cohesive, not static, but but relatively stationary unit when they move they tend to move together unless you have an attacking fullback like a josh suggs who we both enjoyed uh watching play um you know barnstorming it up the side of the field but otherwise those guys tend to lock arms other parts of the field it becomes more challenging because you're looking at transitioning the ball and so if you're struggling right now because of high turnover because of recruitment it doesn't surprise me that you're struggling with that transitional part of your game 
But to hear you guys say that defense looks broken too, that would concern me um, as an OC fan. Well, and and I think part of it, you know, part of a great defense is having a good leader in, in between the posts, mm. having a solid goalkeeper. So last season we had someone like an Andre Rawls uh, in, in between the sticks. Uh, basically helped sort of settle the defense throughout the season and help control that. This season, we went in with a lately signed uh, trialist onto the team as our starting goalkeeper for the first two matches, then switched over to our 17-year-old making his debut last week, uh, and then this most recent match, uh, a new signing. So it, I, it, it might be difficult to get a really solid defense when you're having all these changes at the goalkeeper position, which is a very important. People maybe overlook the importance of, a, of the goalkeeper's relationship with the defenders to have a solid defensive plan out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dylan, uh, Allen, I know we've talked about it, how, you know, how much we miss someone like an Andre Rawls between the, the goalposts for our team, just because of how great he was for us last season. Uh, can the, the changes and the, the, the craziness going on at the goalkeeper position be leading to what, what's been going on so far this season? Uh, I'll start with Dylan. If you want to talk first. I, I, I mean, it was a bigger issue when um, Carlos Lopez Cortez was in goal, but I think Cervantes and McLean are better keepers and organize the back lines better, and they don't look lost. So now, rather than having our goalkeeper be the one just looking completely lost, like they have no idea what they're doing, now it seems like it's kind of the rest of the team. Um, and I'm not sure why, but... Um, and I don't know why they're not clicking with so many people coming back. It's it's beyond something I've been able to figure out, and I've been thinking about it a lot as I'm commuting everywhere and listening to other teams' podcasts and their <laughs> own issues, um, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on right now. But um, it's, it's going to get worked out. I mean, we know Cloutier and how he is, um, and, and he's a really intense uh, manager and person, but I... I do think that with this kind of showing, we might not be the um, the cup contenders that maybe the expectations had. And um, I think maybe some of the players are struggling with that expectation. So you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. You might need to prepare for a first-round travel if we do make the playoffs, uh, according to Dylan's lowered expectations on this, this season. Um Alan, what about your thoughts on it, it? Can the uh, unsettled goalkeeper position, can that be playing a part on what's going on with this team, at least early on in the season? I think it's just conducive of, I, it just doesn't feel like the team has like an identity. Like, I don't think that they've figured out who they are yet this year. Like, yeah, they brought back a bunch of people, but, you know, every year you got to figure out, you know, are you a defensive team? Are you an offensive team? Are you going to play like smash mouth? We're going to win a bunch of one nil, you know, two one games, or are we going to be like Red Bulls? We're going to be, try to beat people like 17 to 16. <laughs> um, I just, I look at the team and it doesn't feel like they are, have an identity of how they want to play as a team. And I think they're still trying to figure, you know, where they are. Um, and I do think some of the turnover hurts because the more turnover you have, the less likely you're going to build that identity. But um, I'm still holding out hope. You know, I still say, let's wait and see what happens. You know, 10 games in things kind of settle in because I mean, even look at Louisville's having problems right now. So I, I do think, I think they need to figure out what kind of team they're going to be this year and just stick to that identity and stop, you know, maybe stop trying to be who they were last year and realize that we might have to go a different direction. I, I think that's, oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, don't go ahead, Mark. No, no, let's say I think that's a great observation. And that was really what I was trying to say earlier when I went around the houses and had my 20 minute monologue. But really, what I was trying to distill that all down to is team identity. You know, in 2017, the switchbacks lost their identity. They tried to go flash. It didn't work. The season fell apart. And in 2018, they struggled with what next? Do we continue down this path? Do we try to find, you know, other flash guys that replace those that didn't quite connect? Or do we go back to blue collar? Do we go back to, you know, ensuring we have a strong defense, strong goalkeeper and building out the back? And um, they decided to go that route and it's paying dividends now. So I think you guys are exactly on the money. I think that's the key piece. 
what 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 makes OC great? You know, what has made OC successful for the last few years? Because you guys have punched well above your weight. And whatever that may be, get back to it. I think the one of the is, go oh, ahead, oh, Ray. Oh, sorry. Go, no, go, Dylan. Okay, what I was gonna say is I think the weird uh, thing. But don't is, get back to it before this weekend. <laughs> every team I mean it's clear what Cloutier and, and that system and they brought players in for the system and then we had a bunch of players last year that fit really well in the system and so we re-signed them. And so there is this identity and we should be a team that is high pressing. Um and yeah, maybe we get beat on the counter sometimes because that's that's the risk with the press. But ideally, you force mistakes. And especially at this level, you can force mistakes out of kids, um, out of guys that are maybe a little bit older or just not, not quite the highest skill level. And without a good midfield core of guys like Christian Duke and Aiden Quinn to really control that game, you, you don't have it. And that's no disrespect to the players we have now, but those two that I just mentioned knew their roles and executed the roles perfectly basically every game last year. And so now with both of them gone, and we don't know how long Quinn is going to be gone for, and I assume it's an injury because, I mean, again, you don't bench your best player unless something crazy happened, and then maybe at that point that position's untenable anyway. But... It's just, it's kind of messy. Um, and the, I think the team just desperately needs that really aggressive, um, demanding, intense player to, to fill that hole in the in the midfield, but also in, in the offense as well. So hopefully having Michael Seaton back now, at least some of that gets, uh, gets picked up and, and Darwin can slot back over to the right where he's more comfortable. And maybe they just need a nice, solid victory to sort of open the floodgates and, and figure things out. Uh, get their got, confidence, I think, is, well, is the huge thing. Well, and also you look at the differences. Last season, there wasn't expectations on this team. I, I think as the season went on, they were sort of that surprise team to be up at the top of the table in the West. Uh, so now this year coming in with the high expectations – you underperform to to get started. It's going to get into the players' minds. It's going to make things a little bit more difficult. But I think once they can maybe take that step, get a get a full three points in a match, hopefully this weekend, and, and then move forward and and get the ball rolling a little bit. Hopefully that uh, helps change things. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the game on April the 10th. Nice home game against Tacoma Defiance. That looks like a three pointer, guys. I think you should be looking toward that one. <laughs> well, it depends on how many uh, C- Seattle players they throw down because that's. Yeah. I think they loaned Apparently like six recently team. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, last night against well, I guess two nights ago if you're listening, they loaned six players down for their match against SAC and um and came away with the win, actually. That's what but, I hate about those. Yeah, I, I do think that's gonna be one of our games to to f- maybe finally get the monkey off our backs and, and get get winning. I mean, nothing against, you know, I know Colorado Springs falls into that two team category, someone with like a, a direct affiliate. Uh, you know, I hate that whole, let me just send down some players for this match or for this match or for this match, because it make it, it almost gives that team a little bit of an advantage because then the other team can't really prepare because they don't really know what they're going to be facing because all of a sudden Colorado Rappers, Rapids can send down their, like pretty much whoever they want down to Colorado Springs to face OC if they really want a victory and keep OC down. You know, maybe that happens. Who knows? Uh, before we get into the Colorado Springs things uh, uh, match, I want to ask Dylan, Alan, anything else you want to talk about on the El Paso match before we sort of push that behind us and, and move forward? Nope. <laughs> well, that um, was sweet and simple. <laughs> their field totally sucks. Uh, their fans are equally sucky. Um, and not... Uh, an El Paso comment, but Ray, just because they have an affiliation agreement does not mean that they're a two team. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Before I'm, everyone, yeah, I'm gonna, someone's I'm gonna, already written the tweet and they've already I'm sent gonna, it. Yeah. I'm going to wade in on that piece. So our coach D Trichu has bemoaned the fact that other, other teams with affiliations to MLS have been able to mix up rosters and send down studs whenever they feel like it. And now we're in that situation where we have that affiliation with the Rapids, but I have to say, you know, we're four games in. We haven't seen that from the Rapids, nor do I expect for us to. They very much are using their relationship with the switchbacks uh, as an opportunity to give their youth team players a run out and also those guys coming back from injury. Uh, furthermore, if you look at the Rapids' results this season, they can't afford to be sending down their <laughs> players to Colorado Springs. They need them in Commerce City. 
I will, as expected I will take that. I will take that. I was wrong in what I was speaking with it. You guys, we can't, we can't put you guys in that same category. I, I guess um, I should be, I, I should be punished for that because I know people used to think of that with us and LAFC. And that was sort of something us Orange County fans hated to hear. And then I'm going and just sort of assuming Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs and Colorado Rapids, same type of thing. And that was <laughs> my bad there. So I apologize. The Twitter storm, man. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Dylan. I'm not afraid of a Twitter storm. So, oh, it, you know what? Good. One last thing about this El Paso match. So, if you were looking closely at this match, so maybe you should go back and actually rewatch this match. If you go and look closely, you can see Richard Chaplo wearing an Adidas ZNE hoodie that's OC branded. So, I think that's what Oliver was talking about. So, that is hopefully some merch that we get soon. But like some, some of that amazing merchandise. Oh my God! It's gonna be like. Well over a hundred dollars, but so worth it. <laughs> I'm really excited. That was the highlight of the game for me. Well, <laughs> there we go. Way to way to end it there, Dylan. Uh, let's move forward. Let's look ahead now. We got a match coming up this Saturday uh, as Colorado Springs Switchbacks FC. Am I getting that right, Mark? Mm-hmm. All right. I, these long names in the USL sometimes just sort of baffle me. Sometimes I forget. I'm known for messing things up. So. Always got to double check on that, but they're traveling down to Orange County, down in Irvine to face OCSC, hoping for their first win. Orange County is, uh, they are hoping to get the three points, hoping to start something. Uh, I'm going to just start it off with you, Mark. I'm going to ask the question because I know pretty much that's the thing every Orange County soccer club, Orange County soccer club fan wants to know. What happened with Andre Rawls? Why are we not going to get a chance to see him? We're sad. Uh, can do you have any insight onto what happened with Andre Rawls and uh, you know, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, folks. Well, this is what you tuned in for. This incredible insight coming at you live from Colorado <laughs> Springs. Here it is. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody seems to. He was at training leading up to the Phoenix game. He looked in good shape. Um, I got eyes on him. Uh, our local reporter from Colorado Springs Gazette got eyes on him. Uh, everybody was expecting rules to suit up for the Phoenix game, and he didn't. And as far as I'm aware, he didn't also take part in the Rapids game either. So we don't really know what happened to him. Um, when we didn't see him suit up for Phoenix, we assumed that our regular number one, Stuart Sayus, would be between the pipes. But of course, we ended up with Abraham Rodriguez, 16-year-old Abraham Rodriguez, from the Colorado Rapids Youth Academy. And um, I, I don't know if anyone was following me on Twitter or not, but I, I spoke with folks earlier that week from Phoenix and I made the, the ballsy prediction that we would come out three team winners. And the minute I saw that we had a 16 year old in gold, I went on, on Twitter immediately and publicly, <laughs> publicly withdrew my prediction. <laughs> it wasn't now my colors to that particular mast. And of course, uh, Rodriguez proved us all wrong by, um, by putting out an incredible professional debut uh, against Phoenix, which we can we can certainly talk about more in more detail if you guys want to. But as far as rules is concerned, you know he's one of three goalkeepers we've already used this season. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see him in Colorado Springs. I think once Stuart Sayus gets fit, uh, I think I hope that uh, he will be our regular number one with the Rapids keepers providing backup to him as opposed to the other way around. I know Rawls is a great goalkeeper. I know you guys thought very highly of him, and that we've seen of him. Uh, we've certainly been impressed, but no, as far as to his current whereabouts, um, I'm afraid I don't have any uh, insight for you. But as far as you know, he's not making the trip down to Orange County, or no, no. I I spoke with some folks. Well, I, I spoke with some folks in and around the camp to ask that question, and nobody seemed either able or prepared to answer it definitively. Okay. Um, well, I have heard the pieces that I'm cobbling together suggest that we may see Rodriguez between the pipes again. Um, let's do, do let's do him and, and Aaron Cervantes. Oh, Aaron Cervantes can't because he just got called up to the US, uh, uh, USA U17 team. So he won't be here for this weekend anyways. But that would have been cool to have a, a 16 to 17 year old be, between the sticks for for a USL match. That would have been awesome. Been crazy. Yeah, but so but Rodriguez did an incredible job. I don't know if you guys saw the Phoenix game, but he made 11 saves. He was almost single-handedly keeping Phoenix out the entire first half. They finally scored in the final minute of the first half off of a header, which he had, um, it was a quarter, fantastic header. Nothing he could do with that. 
Uh, his second half made a PK save from arguably the best player on the field, Solomon Sante. A great save. And uh, in doing so, secured his position as second youngest player ever to secure USL Player of the Week this week. So, yeah, quite a stunning professional debut. And I'd be happy to see him back between the, between the sticks, as it were, uh, against OC this weekend. Yeah, Mark, if you're curious about how the Orange County game went, it was pretty similar to how the Switchbacks game went. And essentially, mm. you've got uh, apparently the 10 people in front of him a little bit confused as to what's happening and why there's like, you know, thousands of people in the stands uh, training <laughs> and why they're wearing these clothes and running around. Um, and then a guy at the back who is like ready to go and primed and comes up big time after time after time after time just coming up and making huge saves so it was a pretty similar match oddly enough um but i have to give a lot of credit to the kid because I mean, how often can you do that when you're 16 17 years old that's it's incredible i was not doing that at 16 17. yeah doing nothing ridiculous absolutely ridiculous hey guys my wife can you text quickly no, no, go, go take care of what you got to take care of. I'm going to get Clearly to you. the soccer podcast is more important. <laughs> and tell your wife that. Uh, Alan, let me, let me talk to you really quick. Um, what are your thoughts heading into this match? Uh, what do we need to see from Orange County to maybe ensure three points in this match? Um, I think at the very beginning of the season, I thought this was going to be a, a pretty good, pretty good matchup. Um, one that Orange County can walk away from, but the way that um, Colorado has been playing lately, they get a, you know, obviously a win against Los Dos is eh, getting beat one nil Sacramento Republic is nothing to shake your fist at. And then, you know, fighting for that draw against Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix has been drawing a lot, so it's not out of the ordinary. This Colorado team I think is, uh, is better than I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Um, So, I mean, having, you know, a couple of offensive players maybe stepping it up. You know, Seton coming back might help. Get Darwin Jones over to the wing now. Um, play some balls in like we saw him uh, do a little bit earlier in the season. Um, and I think maybe just starting a consistent team I think might help keep the back line the same, keep the goalie the same, get some consistency, build some teamwork, and get, get a, a some team identity going. What about you, Dylan? What I mean, what are your thoughts heading into this match? What do we need to see? Do you agree with Alan, or do you have uh, more to add to it? Um, I guess I have a little bit different way of thinking of this game. Where I mean, I feel like I've been very critical of the team tonight, um, and and that's no disrespect to any of the players, but just something as a as a group, something's being lost. But I think that this is going to change, um, and they'll be a little bit better off this week. Um, obviously Colorado is a team in great form, but I still think, uh, playing at home again will help. And I think they'll finally, assuming Seton starts, they'll finally be able to sort out those issues that they've been having. They'll have a little bit more, uh, regularity and especially up top, that's going to be huge for us so that, uh, Harry Forrester and Darwin Jones can just, uh, work on, or sorry, focus on the killer runs that they're capable of rather than trying to be goal scorers. So it should work out nicely for us. Of course, we know um, Jerry Von Wolfgang is also back. Um, and apparently Vinicius is fit and, and ready. So we've got a little Brazilian wonder kid, if, if nothing else. I know he made his, his debut uh, against El Paso, which I think was a little surprising to, to most Orange County fans. Uh, and yeah, I, I think if we can get DJ and uh, Jerry Von Wolfgang back into their natural positions and not having to focus on trying to score up front uh, or even someone like a Forrester or whoever else has been having to sort of fill that role with Michael Seen's af- absence is going to definitely help out. Uh, Mark, I'm going to turn to you. Um, for any Orange County fan that hasn't got a chance to see much from Colorado Springs this season, uh, what are the, like the the one, two, maybe three players to be on the lookout for, and and what can we expect out of those players on the pitch this weekend? Yeah, that's really going to depend on. Well, just depends on how the wind blows. Uh, we have, we've seen it. We've we've seen an interesting shift in our roster already in just the four games this season. In the first game, everybody would say that Shane Malcolm was the standout player, scoring the first ever hat trick in Switchbacks history. 
and that impressive 4-1 road victory against uh, LA Galaxy 2. Um, and then he's gone kind of quiet. Um, but in subsequent games, we've seen really good turnout from Jordan Burt, our new skipper, taking over the captain's armband from Josh Suggs, who went to New Mexico United. Um, we've seen some really great defensive performances, uh, particularly out of Jamal Jack and um, uh, Ish. Uh, Ishjomo, who scored that uh, clutch free kick in the final minutes of the game against Phoenix to secure that 2-2 road uh, road tie. So it, it really has varied from game to game. I would say, you know, I would say certainly if Rodriguez plays again, he's a player to keep an eye on, of course, 16 years old. It's always fun to see a young player like that and see how they develop. And if he pulls out anything like the same performance that he did against Phoenix, then... For us, at least, that's going to be a joy to behold. For you guys, it may be frustrating. Um, I would certainly keep an eye as well on Ronnie Argetta in Centimid, who you guys may be familiar with because he was back in your neck of the woods for a season uh, with Fresno. But he was formerly with the Switchbacks and now he returns to the black and blue. Fantastic midfielder. In fact, I go to so far as to say maybe one of the most un underrated midfielders in the entire USL. Uh, there's really nothing that Ronnie can't do. He's a real confidence player, though. So once he feels like a uh, coach has his back and he's given free reign to go out there and really be a disruptive influence, then, um, yeah, he, he he does such a great job of protecting the ball. He does such a great job of winning it back, keeps everything simple and really makes the team tick over. Um, and then up top, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting for Shane Malcolm to get back to that, that game one high watermark and if he does you know when Shane has the bit between his teeth when he's able to run in behind defenses when he's feeding off those balls from Milano and Schweitzer both of whom can just put in a, a ball on a dime then he can be a pretty devastating play he has pace to burn and um, you know, found the net very early this season so if he can get back into that groove then certainly he's a player to keep an eye on as well but like I said the nice thing with the switchbacks this year has been that they haven't relied on any single one player you know, I haven't mentioned Syed Robinson. I haven't mentioned Mike Seth. Um, only briefly in passing mentioned Milano and Jordan Burt. But you know, all of these guys have stepped up and put in performances this season, which have carried the switchbacks forward where they haven't really played that well. Yes, we had that great opening game, but in the other three games, we not really played to the same level. Uh, and yet they found a way to get it done, with the exception of the game against Sacret, which we never should have lost. Uh, we were the better team that day, and um, yeah, just at least should have come up, come away with the tie. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which guys grab the nettle this weekend. Perfect, uh, Alan Dylan. Do you have any questions for Mark heading into this match this weekend? Well, you got the big one out of the way, and the reason I was most excited for this game was to see Andre Rawls again, <laughs> of course. Um, so... I was with every other Orange County fan. That was probably the reason why they were going to really want to come to this match was to see Andre Rose. They show up, they show up like a Scooby Doo villain. <laughs> They'll come out and be like, you know, whip off a mask and be like, ha ha. I'm not I 16. Want... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We got away with it too if it wasn't for the kid that we thought was a pesky kid, but it was actually me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe if we want to see Andre, we can just uh, uh, offer to buy him a ticket to the match. He could just come out as a fan and sit with the line coalition. You know, I really hope that the club would just give him a ticket. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jordan Burt, uh, his two goals, and his sick mustache in his profile picture or his uh, player profile picture on the USO website. Um, yeah, I was scrolling through to see how where those goals are coming from. Uh, two goals from a defender. It's it's That's pretty solid. Good. That's yeah. Good. yeah, Jordan's a really interesting character. Firstly, let's 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 tackle the mustache head on. The mustache is horrific. <laughs> I've given Jordan grief about this face to face. I've told him now he's a skipper. If he's going to be face of the franchise, the mustache needs to go from the face. Uh, he's but, having none of it. He thinks he looks studly with it. So as long as he continues to play the way he's playing, what can I say? Uh, but in all seriousness, he's a really interesting character. I think he'd be the first to say he's not the most technical on the roster, but um, he runs from first minute to last. He's so honest. Um, he works both boxes. Yes, he's known as being a defender, primarily an attacking fullback, but the coach has also deployed him in that attacking central mid role as well on occasion. In fact, if, if he feels like Milano's not having a good day or 
maybe he's getting a little leggy. We've seen that sub already a couple of times where Milano comes out, a defender comes in to slot into, into Bert's uh, role in defence, allowing Bert then to move into that central attacking position. And um, he does a really, really nice job, whether he's playing fullback or in that central attacking midfield position, of arriving in the box late, as he did against Phoenix for that opening goal. Uh, again, he's just, the guy's got three lungs. And um, he loves to switch back and he'll run through a brick wall for this team. And we've seen him do it time and again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him get on the score sheet again this weekend. Especially the way that OC likes to defend those late guys in the box. That's going to be a guy to definitely look out for. And he does look like he belongs in a poster <laughs> of the Super Troopers with that mustache. Oh, for those podcast listeners who uh, don't have a computer in front of them, it's definitely a Super Troopers mustache. I think it's more of a porno mustache, but okay. I think we got our title for this podcast. Um, let, let's go on to uh, really quickly. Um, sorry. Yeah. No, well, well before we go to Mark, uh, give us oh. just briefly uh, – what would be the biggest weakness for Colorado Springs uh, that maybe Orange County could try to look at? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we're not the finished article. We've got some great results so far. You know, two victories and a draw at four games. Uh, but this team hasn't yet found its groove. So I think if you guys were able to get an early goal down the front foot, um, it'll be interesting to see the character of the team. It'd be interesting to see if the switchbacks can what they can do in that situation. Um, the only time we've been behind so far this season was against Sacret, and we weren't able to pull out, pull out a tie where we should have done. Uh, I don't really see any weaknesses beyond that. The defense is really strong. Goalkeeper obviously had a great performance last week, assuming it's the same keeper. Our midfield triumvirate is probably as strong as it's ever been. And uh, we have a really good mix of forwards to select from. We've got strength, we've got pace. So I don't see any inherent weakness but it's going to be which switchback team turns up this weekend and how much pressure you can apply to them. All right. Now the super exciting point of the show where we get to predict what's going to happen to this match. We like to predict the score and maybe who the key person or what the key play of the match is going to be. Uh, I'm going to start off with our guest, Mark. You can let us know what you think the, the score will be and give us your, your thoughts, key player, key play of the match. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to echo your colleague's sentiments. I think Jordan Burt can end up being the key player here. I, I've said that the switchbacks haven't been consistent in performance this year. That doesn't really relate to Burt. Burt has been pretty consistent from first game through fourth. So I think he could be a key guy. I expect him to get on the score sheet again this year. Excuse me, this weekend. Um, certainly this year, but hopefully this weekend. Um, and I, I'm confident the switchbacks can pick up another road win here. Uh, obviously, California's been a happy hunting ground for us in recent times. I'm going with a 2-0 victory for the switchbacks. Alan, what about you? I am going to pick the player to watch is uh, Patrick McLean. I think if he has another great game, I think that gives uh, Orange County a chance uh, against a, a good uh, switchback team. Um, I'm going to call this a 1-1 draw. Dylan, what about you? I'm going to say that the player to watch is not Patrick McLean because you don't want to be watching the goalkeeper. You want your team to be doing well and attacking. I think this is the game that Orange County gets the monkey off their backs. The attack clicks. They go crazy. They start scoring goals. Uh, Aiden Quinn is no longer the team's leading goal scorer. 3-1 Orange County, I think. I think they'll get a late oh, one. You're outrageous. Of, um, you're outrageous off of a Colorado Springs attack and, and they'll break and, and, you know, we'll have like a Michael Seaton or Darwin Jones slot at home <laughs> no sending job. your kid the wrong way. Cool. Looking cool after it. Downplaying it like they aren't excited. I know they'll be excited. Here's my thought. I, I think we're going to see sort of a uh, replay of what we saw last season in Colorado Springs when it was a 1-0 victory for Orange County off a very early goal from Michael Seaton off an awesome pass from a defender, although we don't have Yosh Hoyville anymore. We do have some other defenders. Maybe one of them can loft a nice pass across the field. Seaton will have an easy one-on-one goal like in the second minute of the match, and then it'll just be a, a boring match for the rest of the match. 1-0 Orange County is my prediction on that. Uh, Michael Seaton with a, a, a quick early goal off an awesome feed. 
and then a boring match for for the remainder of the match. But hey, fans, have fun, cheer away for a victory because Orange County definitely needs that victory. It seems like it's all homerism here. Uh, Mark going with. Uh, did you pick? You picked Colorado Springs, right, Mark? Yeah, two no. Okay. And then Dylan and I pick an OC. I think Alan's a little scared to make a prediction at this point, which Alan's is smart. Alan's just smart. Well, no, no. It's a bonus for our podcast because it seems every time, and this goes back to when we first started, anytime Dylan and I have been very confident. Now we have Alan has joined the team a little bit here, but anytime it was just me and Dylan and we were both very confident in a match, it never worked out. Now we got Alan here. Who's, who's balancing things out. He's not going to be as confident. He's being the one that's, going to put us over the 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 hump there and and get us the victory because of that i just i gotta get behind my boys and i gotta say they're (laughs) gonna it's finally gonna click and i mean we know how good this team is when they're when they're all firing together and if that happens i think it's gonna it's gonna be a situation of the floodgates opening it's not gonna be a little trickle (laughs) it's gonna be like 150 percent of of the water coming all at once so (laughs) i believe in them joe Tell the boys. <laughs> yes, Joe, tell the boys to, you know, how it works. Uh, Andre or, or Andre's dad, if you hear this, let Colorado Springs know. Don't show up. Don't worry about it. Orange County's going to take care of things. Oh, you know, speaking of Joe Amico, he was definitely Orange County's best player, I think, on on Saturday. He was, he was good. He was really good. All so. Right. I know I'm like 15 minutes, 20 minutes late. Yes, for that, Dylan, but, uh, that should have been said a, a while ago. Yeah, I just remembered Joe Amigo had a killer game, um, and and really kept Orange County in, and I think from from some really dangerous breakaways. And, and I mean, Patrick McLean couldn't have made 50 of those one-on-one saves. So <laughs> I'm I'm done. All right, all right, you got it, Joe. Before we get towards the end of our podcast, we do our random thoughts. I do uh, want to talk about one thing, and then we'll open it up if anyone else has any other soccer-related stuff to talk about. Uh, Orange County's very own young goalkeeper, Aaron Cervantes, made his professional debut a couple weeks ago, uh, got save of the week. Oh, and then to top it off, he has now been uh, called up to the US, USA men's under-17 team. Uh, so awesome props for him. Uh, you know, it's, I guess, been just an awesome start to the season for him, other than the fact that to follow up his save of the week, he got benched for McLean, but... I mean, that was sort of an obvious call once that signing was announced. Uh, so props to Aaron Cervantes. I, I don't know, Dylan or, or, or Alan or even Mark, if you guys have any thoughts on on just sort of what he's gone through over the last couple of days or last couple of weeks. I'll take that as a no. Um, I was waiting for Alan. But, you know, <laughs> Did you have something to say, Dylan, on it? Um, yeah, I mean – I'm sure he's a little bit disappointed to have um, lost his spot, but I mean, you don't throw a keeper in like that without having them trained. So I'm sure he knew that McLean was there and that um, McLean was probably going to take over. I think that's why he said he wanted to fight for the starting position. Yeah. But I mean, the kid's only 17, but the kid's also not an idiot. Like he knows he's a project for the future um, and we got a really good game out of him and he, he came up big. And, um, you know, maybe two years down the line or something, or maybe even next year, he's, he's completely ready for the, for this league. I mean, I'm sure he's, he's content and he's getting his national team minutes and, and that'll mean a lot to playing with a really high level group of guys. That'll so. help him out. Yeah. Um, any other USL thoughts from anyone before we get to our random thoughts for the evening? Uh, I don't like this season. Like at all. Oh. It, it totally sucks. I mean, Tulsa's in first with 10 points. And like Orange County, Phoenix, Louisville are all struggling. Although Phoenix, you know, they're struggling. I don't know what's going on with them, but they're still going up the power rankings for some reason. Um, where like Sacramento was like drawing every match for the first few match and just they were keeping them at five and all of a sudden now they've gone up. It's weird how that all works out. That's a whole different story. We'll talk about it. Uh, for those of you that go onto our website and follow our written stuff, we're going to definitely, I know Dylan and Alan are going to have some thoughts on the power rankings this week. Uh, I might even jump on and actually share some of my thoughts. I know I haven't done that the last couple of weeks. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Just check on our website over the next couple of days to see that. Uh, let's go and do this. Let's wrap things up. Let's get into some of our random thoughts here. Uh, as always, we like to just end 
each episode. It could be a random thought about other soccer leagues around the world. It could be anything, books, movies, music, pop culture, uh, you know, what you ate or, or a great restaurant you found. Uh, I'm going to start off with our guest, Mr. Mark. Uh, do you have any random thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Uh, okay, well, uh, if that listener was hanging on earlier and he stuck with us after talking about English football, I'm about to end his night early. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to the English men's national team and also the English women's national team. Both teams really seem to be on the rise right now, um, both in terms of international rankings and also their preparedness for major tournaments. A lot of enthusiasm back home, a lot of great young talent coming through, and it's really exciting to see. And I hope something similar happens with the U.S. men's national team as well. We know the women's team have been constant performers and look really good for the World Cup in France this spring. Um, be interesting to see if the men's team can kind of find their feet and begin emulating that. I think there's a lot of potential here in this country, and I'd like to see them do better. So, yeah, just a shout out to my three Lions. Awesome. Uh, Alan, what about you? Um, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, uh, but this past Sunday's last week tonight with John Oliver did a great uh, piece on the WWE, WWF getting sued, WWE um, in regards to player safety and um, a lot of that. So if you're a wrestling fan and a WrestleMania is coming up, he's asked people to kind of speak out about the treatment of the wrestlers. Uh, but I think it kind of goes with sports in general, just kind of something to keep in mind. We're out there, you know, cheering on teams um, and um, expecting them to, to perform well that, you know, not every league has a great union and not every league protects their players the way that others do. Uh, so as fans, it's something to keep in mind uh, uh, and keep an eye on when we're watching these guys put their bodies on the line for us to, you know, make sure we're at the end of the day, we're, we're showing them respect. We're giving them love for what they do. Um, and then making sure we have opportunities to speak up for their safety that we do so as fans. Good good point there. I mean, uh, soccer fans, uh, I don't know, Mark, if you saw this or saw, well, saw the match. I mean, in, in, in the Premier League, we saw something with a, a player by the name of Ryan Mason who just had a horrific head injury, had to retire. Mm-hmm. He was like, what, 26 years old when this happens, mm-hmm. and he had to retire because of a horrific head injury. Uh, so yeah, player safety in any sport, wrestling, soccer, football, whatever is definitely an important thing. And as fans, uh, I, I love when I see it, when the opposing player gets seriously injured, but fans are willing to, you know, still show love for that player because they understand, uh, in the end of things, a life is more important than, you know, if your team is victorious in a match or something like that. So, uh, good call out there, Alan, um, Dylan. I, I take it we're going to hear about a book or a poem or something. Ooh, second one's right. All right. So um, on the topic of the English national team, uh, Raheem Sterling's actually a pretty good player. Who knew? Um, and Gareth Southgate's waistcoat is maybe the most um, lovable thing about that entire team, I think. I mean, I truly love the 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 waistcoat it's it's a nice classy touch back to orange county uh so and you can start listening again darwin jones celebrates his birthday in two days uh, on thursday so if you i guess it's tomorrow um and then on the 15th it's giovanni ramos Godoy's birthday and then on the 17th it's joe amico's birthday and then on the 22nd it's koji hashimoto's birthday so uh um, like a month of birthdays for orange it's a month of from. birthdays and then at the very beginning of may it's um my personal favorite michael seaton's birthday <laughs> um so we got a lot of birthdays coming up and uh, hopefully it means you know, a lot of victories coming along with those birthdays hopefully they're not partying too hard these boys are gonna be scoring some uh, birthday goals and uh, getting some birthday assists um so, <laughs> I'm curious which of you guys is tasked with jumping out the cake uh we can leave that for alan he's the new guy i think rookies oh, are yes. supposed to get all the hazing right are you, you ready go. for that alan I think that would scare them. Yeah, Alan's got a pretty nice beard. That would scare me. A beard and a bikini. That's a great combo. Alan, is your wife okay with this? That's a challenge, Alan. Yeah, I don't think I can find one that will fit very well. Uh, Well, let's get into, I guess, my final thought here. I'm actually going to have two thoughts. Literature recommendation. What? I'm going to have two thoughts here for, for y'all. Dylan, you might appreciate one of my thoughts. My first thought is going to be, you know, we, we flew all the way from Orange County 
to Myrtle Beach through Charlotte. So it's not a, a quick flight. Part of the whole, you know, aspect of doing a flight, we have two boys, uh, ages eight and six. We let them pick out some books, either activity books or things to read or whatever uh, to come out on this trip. Uh, my oldest son, he picked out a Mad Libs book, which, you know, I didn't even know still existed first off. Uh, and second off, I, I again, Dylan, I think you might appreciate this. It's an opportunity for him to learn nouns, adjectives, adverbs, all this wonderful stuff. Uh, and we actually had some fun, you know, spending about a half hour the other day uh, while I was watching some English soccer, uh, doing some Mad Libs uh, at a pizza place here. So that was a pretty cool thing. It's pretty let's cultured. Jump- Let's jump into English soccer, and this just because Mark had to, Mark had to talk about uh, you know the England Tottenham Hotspur soccer team there, uh, you know Tottenham Hotspur is going to be opening up the greatest football stadium in the world this weekend uh, as they face Crystal Palace, uh, the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, amazing stadium. Even though it doesn't have the cheese room anymore, it's still going to be the best stadium in the world for soccer. Uh, I wish I could be in London to to partake in the awesomeness but i heard like season or the tickets on the the scalpers market were ridiculous so you know i'm uh, i'm gonna be trying to watch that on tv enjoying it i i watched the closing of white heart lane i'm gonna be watching the opening of the new stadium it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be awesome uh watch it if you like soccer if you just want to experience something cool watch it because again greatest stadium in the world is going to be opening this weekend uh, and maybe maybe they should not go gentle into that good night <laughs> Which uh, brings me back into my literature recommendation, which I did not get to give, which is just a a slight reminder for the boys on the pitch to not go gentle into that good night. Um, Poem by uh, my namesake, if you will, Dylan Thomas. Uh, It's a villanelle, which I read one on the podcast before. I won't read this one because it is not mine, but it is an amazing poem. I think I've already recommended it. You should read it anyway. Think about it in a sports perspective. It's beautiful. Oh, and my cat Rufus is here. So if you hear a bunch of noise and bells and cat meows, then. And by the way, Dylan, not we're not going to do it two weeks in a row. I'm not going to do some sort of you know literary type title for our podcast. You enjoyed it last week. We're going to go differently this week. Um, Last week, your this podcast is a wonderland. Wasn't John Mayer? No, no, that was two weeks ago. Last week was a tale of two halves. That Um, wasn't even my idea. Yeah, it was my idea. But you, but but it was a literary type reference there, right? So, this is Mark. If you didn't know, we sort of always sort of start rambling off towards the end of the podcast. We've just been talking about soccer for, you know, fifty minutes. We just start going random. Uh, we're gonna end this thing up really quick before we end. Mark, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you, either on social media, the interwebs, uh, uh, whatever oh you got? My God. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, anyone's interested in my writing around the Colorado Springs switchbacks, you can check me out at Last Word on Soccer. I think it's lastwordonsoccer.com is the website, or you can find me on Twitter, where you can link directly to my written articles at Al W O S underscore C O S. So, like Last Word on Soccer underscore C O S is the abbreviation for the city of Colorado Springs. So, uh, I also founded the Back Chat Show, which I guessed on periodically, it's the fan podcast for Colorado Springs Switchbacks, but I have two very capable friends and colleagues who run that show pretty much for me now, uh, Jason and Paul, and they can be found at Backchat Show on Twitter as well, and we also have a Facebook page, so I'm sure you guys know how to search Facebook and find all that goodness. So I appreciate you guys checking in on us, and um, they'll certainly be covering the OC game, typically within about 48 hours of the game itself, um, a new Backchat Show drops. So, um, yeah, if you haven't been beaten too miserably and you want to check us out and get our opinion, that's where we'll find it. Uh, Alan, what about you? Let our listeners know or remind our listeners where they can uh, hear more from you. Uh, A Underwood 48 on Twitter. Um, It's a mix of tons of different things. So buyer beware. (laughs) Dylan, what about you? Sorry, uh, you guys can find me on Reddit at OCSE underscore Dylan or on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan. Um, yeah. Or I think on our podcast website at OCSEpodcast.com slash author slash Dylan underscore Allen. Oh, you're going like hardcore into that now. Dylan. I got to find something else. I mean. All right, time for the quick recap here, um, or not recap, but ending here. You can also find our 
Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. You can find my personal Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. Uh, you can also look for us on Facebook, on Instagram, or our website, www.ocscpodcast or or .com or orangeandblacksoccercast.com. I know Dylan, I had to throw in those WWWs because I know you love when I do that. Um, also, you can check us out on Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm, or go on to their Twitter at bgnfm. You can find us and other awesome uh, soccer podcasts, including Back Chat Pod, uh, The Last Word on Soccer, all that wonderful stuff. A, a bunch of awesome soccer podcasts are on there. Uh, for all our listeners that have listened to us from day one or have listened to us multiple times in the past and you keep listening to us, thank you for all of that. Your support is amazing. For those of you listening for the very first time, go back and check some of our older podcasts if you want to at our website or on Beautiful Game Network just to hear what we've had to say. Sometimes we reference that stuff. Uh, I want to thank everyone. I want to thank our guest, again, Mark Turner, uh, for joining us. Uh, Dylan, Allen, you are always uh, helping out in this. I want to thank you as well. Uh, this is Ray, and we are... Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.